you study the Word of God, you read the Word of God, you pray every morning, you do all these things, and then you have these people at work, wherever they are, and they're coming against you, and all of a sudden Satan uses that against you, and he gets you depressed or whatever he does in your life, but you stand in the righteous and say, Lord, if you are for me, who can be against me? And the Lord says, I'm with you all the way. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Raul Reese in Diamond Bar, California. It's good to have you with us today for encouragement from the book of Acts. As Raul highlights God's faithful care of Paul in prison, you'll find assurance of the Lord's presence in your trials. Stay with us to see that you can always trust that God is with you in your suffering, even when you feel isolated and alone. As a believer, in every hardship, you can find rest in His strength. Let's listen as Raul Reese begins today's lesson. Well, if you have your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 23. Paul was under military custody, under Roman custody. And Rome was very strict. When they had a prisoner, they not only kept him uh, in a place where he didn't have any freedoms, but somehow when Paul went to Rome, and we're going to see in a moment, when he went to Rome, the Lord, he was kind of bummed out. He went to Jerusalem, and they mistreated him, and they did all these things to Paul, and the church never stood with him. I learned that this morning. The church never stood by Paul when he was going through some heavy stuff. And I was thinking, wow, Lord, here is Paul. He goes to Jerusalem to talk to the church, to see how the church is doing. And then the Sadducees and Pharisees, they get him, and they're trying to kill him in the church. Where is the church? And the church is nowhere to be found. So what happens? Jesus comes along and says, Paul, I'm with you. Don't worry about it. I'm with you. And maybe you're here tonight, and you feel, well, where is the church? Where is the church in my life? Are people really praying for me? You might be in a place where you're going through some pretty heavy things. Nobody's called you in the church. Friends of your closest, they've never talked to you about what you're going through. And these situations that the devil uses for us not only to hate people, but to get you into a depression, to depress you, and to be oppressed by the enemy. And yet, if God is for me, who can be against me? If God is for me, who can be against me? Prisoners were under public custody. They were put in a common jail and in a horrible place where any human being would suffer. When we went to Rome, uh, we wanted to see Paul's prison where he was kept. They took us to a place. They said, this is where Paul was in prison. So we went down one floor Two floors, three floors, four floors, and then you couldn't see anything, and it was freezing cold. These were the type of prisons that Paul was chained. When Paul was imprisoned, Timothy, Luke, all these guys that visited him. And yet these guys, a minority, they came to Paul because they loved him. They wanted to help him. Paul, we're here for you. 
And Paul was suffering tremendously. If you read the book of 2 Corinthians, you'll blow your mind what Paul went through. Thrice I was beaten. I mean, I was left for dead. And he talks about all the things that he suffered you as an apostle of Jesus Christ. And yet prisoner under the custody of Rome. Of Rome, already the Pharisees, you'll see in a moment, they wanted to kill him. They set up a whole thing where we're going to get him, we're going to kill him. And as they took him, the Romans took him, and they were going up the stairs. Paul said to the centurion, hey, can I have just a few minutes to talk to these people? He spoke to them in Hebrew because he spoke Greek. The centurion didn't really understand the Hebrew. So he got up there and began to share with them about the gospel. And remember, when he came to the gospel and he mentioned the Gentiles, that the Gentiles had also received the gospel, they went crazy. And they wanted to kill Paul. And maybe tonight you're sitting here and you say, well, Lord, you know, I'm going through this thing and you haven't really answered my prayer. But remember, it's not your time, it's not my time, it's his time. He knows exactly when to answer your prayer, to answer my prayer. When to show up and when to touch you up. And in Acts 16.20, he said this, he says, They brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive and observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them. And the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet with stocks. Remember chapter 16. I mean, he went through heavy, heavy persecution. Paul's friends could actually visit him. But he was hurting, he was bummed out, he was depressed of the things that he was going through. And I wonder today, those in China, those in Russia, those in those distant places like Siberia, that are in prison for the gospel of Jesus Christ, North Korea, they have prisons, their pastors that have been in prison 20, 30, 40 years in prison. And those that have escaped, and got to South Korea and giving their testimony how they were in prison. They were beaten every day. They didn't have enough food to eat. And how they watched their wives get killed and their children be killed. We really don't understand persecution yet. America is a free country. And America has had so much of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even though we're not being persecuted even to the present time. But yet... Christ knows who we are. He knows what we go through every day of our lives. He starts out in verse 1 of chapter 23. Paul's going to start. He says, and then Paul, looking earnestly to the council, that's the Sanhedrin, remember? The 72 in the Sanhedrin. Paul was at one time in the Sanhedrin. So he had friends. They were at that particular moment there, wanting him dead, and they knew that he was in the Sanhedrin. They knew he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, and yet not because he accepted Christ. They hate him. They want him dead. People watch your lives. And when you're not hanging out with them anymore, you're not drinking with them anymore, you're not getting loaded with them anymore, you're not doing things that you used to do with them, they'll say, oh, man, forget that guy. What happened to their friendship? What happened to their brotherhood? 
They're so rebellious against Jesus that they come to that place where they hate you and they don't want nothing to do with you. And all you can do is pray for them. And this council of the 72 here, the Sanhedrin, he said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience. Hey, my conscience is clear. Before God until this day, the integrity in the life of Paul. Integrity, very important in our lives. How much integrity do I have? How much integrity do you have in your life? Paul knew, here in verse 1, Paul knew that he was in the will of God. He knew, I am in the will of God. And he learned to depend on the Holy Spirit, not on man. Paul didn't depend on man. Paul recognized that God had called him. He spent three years when he was saved, three years in Arabia, getting ready for ministry, where he probably learned how to write his epistles. And it's so cool because when he came back, he came back in such a powerful strength in the Holy Spirit, being able to teach the Word of God, to be persecuted, to be prosecuted, to be put in prison, and still love the Lord Jesus Christ with all his might. Never giving up. Never betraying the Lord. Never saying, Lord, man, I thought I was your apostle. I thought you loved me. Why are you allowing these things to happen in my life? You've been there. I've been there before. Lord, why me? Why not them? Don't you see, Lord, that I'm praying, I'm reading, I'm serving you? Then why us? But you know what? The Lord has taught us. If God is for us, who can be against us? I mean, why not me? Why not my wife? Why not you? Paul, even though all these people didn't stand by you, I am standing with you. You're going to go from Jerusalem, you're going to go to Rome, and I'm going to be with you in Rome. Don't worry about it. I love that. Don't worry about it. I'm going to be with you. And man, Paul was so bummed out. And when the Lord told him that, man, it changed his life. His attitude changed. We'll get that in a second. Verse 2. He says, and the high priest Ananias, that's not the same one in chapter 2. He says, and the priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. So here is Paul. He doesn't really know that it's the high priest Ananias. But Paul the apostle, as he standing there, he goes ahead and he slaps Paul in the face. And it's amazing. Watch what he says in verse 3. And then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. I mean, here is this guy taking advantage of Paul. And what's incredible here is that Ananias, he was appointed as a high priest in AD 47 by Herod uh, Chalius, brother of Herod Antipatus I. And he was not a nice guy. This guy was mean. He was known as the gossiping politician. He ruled like a tyrant, according to the Jewish Talmud, was also a terrible glutton. This was this guy, Ananias, that hated Paul and talked to Paul. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. For Bible-rich resources to strengthen you in life's valleys, visit us at somebodylovesyou.com or give us a call at 800-634-9165. You can also download our free app to enjoy truth from God's Word anytime, anyplace. Here's more now from today's lesson. Then he says, again in verse 3, he says, 
For you said and judge me according to the law, and do you command me to be struck contrary to the law? You're accusing me that I'm not keeping the law, and then you're coming against me, and you're slapping me. Why don't you go back and look at the law? Maybe you're not the ones keeping the law. Because he says what? For you said to judge me according to the law, and do you command me to be struck contrary to the law? The law treated a man of innocence until he was proven guilty. And they were not doing that with Paul. So Paul is saying, hey, you haven't found me to be guilty. Why are you striking my face? Why are you slapping me? And those, he says, verse 4, and those who stood by said, do you revile God's high priest? They're rebuking Paul the apostle. Insulting the high priest or asking him. Then Paul said, I did not know, brethren, that he was the high priest. Now, this is where you've read the epistles. And this is where they think that Paul had an eye problem. He couldn't see. That he couldn't really see. He's saying, I didn't know that that was a high priest, which means I couldn't see that he was a high priest. So many believe that this is the place where Paul, they believe that Paul had bad eyesight. And he couldn't really see the way that other people could see. So he goes on. And Paul said, I did not know, brethren, that he was a high priest. For it is written, Exodus 22, 28, and Deuteronomy 17, 8 to 13. It is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. That's in the law, he says. And then verse 6, he says, but when Paul perceived that one part of the Sadducees, And the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, and men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, concerning the hope and the resurrection of the dead, I am being judged. So what he's doing here, he's actually getting the Sadducees against the Pharisees, and the Pharisees against the Sadducees, and they get into a little fight. Because they believe totally different. The Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. They don't believe in angels. The Pharisees believe in the resurrection. They believe in angels and the supernatural. And so Paul gets them to a place where now they have to not only argue with each other. Like he says here. And when Paul perceived that the one part was Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, son of a Pharisee, concerning the hope of the resurrection. Uh-oh. The Pharisees believe in resurrection. The Sadducees don't. He says, of the dead, and I am judged by you. And then when he had said this, a dissension broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. Notice that. They were no longer together. They were no longer agreeing together. Paul split the party. What he said, he split the party. And then he says, and then for the Sadducees, say that there is no resurrection, nor angels, or spirit. But the Pharisees confess both. There are angels, there is a resurrection, and there are spirits. Then there arose a loud cry, and the scribes and the Pharisees' party arose and protested, saying, We find no evil in this man. Notice that. We find no evil in this man. But... If a spirit or an angel has spoken to him, let us not find even against God. Notice, this is in condemning Paul, they would be fighting against God. Man, if we condemn this person and he believes in this, we're fighting against God. So we're not going to try him in this way. 
And now when there arose a great dissension, the commander, fearing lest Paul might be pulled to pieces by them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him by force from among them and bring him into the barracks. Man, they were ready to kill him and tear him apart. And when the centurion saw that, they said, man, it's time to get this guy out of here. Because he saw the anger on the priests and the Sadducees and the Pharisees when he began to speak of the resurrection and began to share about Jesus Christ. And then he says, verse 11, but the following night, here it is, Paul, imagine he's in prison. He's thinking, man, what's going to happen to me now? I mean, where is the Lord in this whole thing? And many believe that Paul... As he was speaking to the Pharisees, remember when he said, hey, give me an opportunity. This is the greatest opportunity for me to speak to the Jews and share with them about Jesus Christ. That the Lord allowed that for him to do that so that Paul would learn to wait upon the Lord and not to go before the Lord. And so now he finds himself, okay, Lord, now what am I going to do? And this is what he says in verse 11. I love this. But the following night, the Lord stood by Paul. Man, I love that. When I'm going through things in my life, I remember the Lord stands by me. Underline that. The Lord stands by you. Paul the Apostle. The Lord stood by him and said, Paul, be of good cheer. Lord, he's comforting Paul. Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness in Rome for me. Paul, I am with you. Don't worry about it. I'm going to go with you to Rome, and just like I was with you in Jerusalem, he says, I'm going to be with you the whole way. And remember, in Rome, he would be killed in Rome, would be beheaded by the Romans, by Nero, Caesar Nero. So we see God not only here following up on him. And I love that because you know what spoke to my heart even more? When he says in the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, be of good cheer. He used his name Paul. Take Paul's name and put your name on there. So whatever your situation, whatever your problem may be tonight, know one thing, the Lord is with you. If God is for me, then who can be against me? And when it was day, some of the Jews banded together and bound themselves and notice under oath, saying that they would neither eat nor drink until they had killed Paul. Forty men made a vow. They made a vow that, hey, what we're going to do now, we're going to vow that we will not eat, we will not do anything until we have killed Paul the apostle. And now there were more than 40 who had formed this conspiracy. And then came the chief priests and the elders and said, we have bound ourselves on the great oath that we will eat nothing until we have killed Paul. Can you imagine the hate they had for Paul? They hated him. And they hated him for something that he was doing that was good. He was leading people to Jesus Christ. He was loving people. He was praying for people. And because these guys were so hung up on religion, and then they have a relationship with Jesus Christ, Satan used them to try to destroy Paul the Apostle, one of the servants of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I think of how many times Satan has tried to destroy me, and how many times Satan has tried to destroy you. Because you have the truth. 
You study the Word of God. You read the Word of God. You pray every morning. You do all these things. And then you have these people at work, wherever they are, and they're coming against you. And all of a sudden, Satan uses that against you. And he gets you depressed or whatever he does in your life. But you stand in the righteousness and say, Lord, if you are for me, who can be against me? And the Lord says, I'm with you all the way. I don't care who hates you. I don't care what's going to happen to you. I am with you. If I told you I'm going to be with you, I am going to be with you the whole way. Verse 15, he says, And now you, therefore, together with the council, suggest to the commander that he be brought down to you tomorrow as though you were going to make further inquiries concerning him. But we were ready to kill him before he comes near. So when Paul's sister's son, this is the only time we have here, that Paul had a nephew and he had a sister right here. So when Paul's sister's son heard of their ambush, he went and entered the barracks and told Paul the apostle. Now, here's something interesting. Why would his nephew be at this particular moment to hear the plot that these guys had? Just by coincidence? I don't think so. The Lord used his nephew to go to the Romans and to let them know, hey, these guys are plotting. They have a plot to go ahead and kill my uncle Paul. And when he tells these Romans, you'll see the rest of the picture here, the Romans take for themselves and they said, we have to protect Paul. We got to take him to Rome. So we're going to take him and we're going to sneak out by night and we're going to head to Rome. So these guys will never get a hold of him. He goes on. He says he heard of their ambush. He went and entered the barracks and told Paul. And then Paul called one of the centurions to him and said, Hey, take this young man, he says to the commander, for he has something to tell him. And so he took him and he brought him to the commander and said, Paul, the prisoner called me to him and asked me to bring this young man to you, for he has something to tell you. Then the commander took him by the hand and went aside and asked him privately, what is it that you have to tell me? And then verse 20, and then he said to the Jews, have agreed to ask that you bring Paul down to the council tomorrow. The plot is that they're going to ask you to bring Paul down tomorrow. And what they really want to do is they want to kill him. And he said to the Jews again, have agreed to ask that you bring Paul down to the council tomorrow as though they were going to inquire more fully about Paul. But do not yield to them. Don't do it. For more than 40 of them lie in wait for him. Men who have bound. I mean, these guys made of blood. They're going to do it no matter what happens. But they're going to stand to make sure that Paul is dead. And he says this, themselves by an oath, they will neither eat nor drink until they have killed him. And now they're ready, waiting to the promise from you. They're waiting. The moment you bring him down, they're going to kill him. So here's his nephew. And so the commander let the young man depart. This is the only time you see his nephew. And then the commander let the young man depart and commanded him, notice, Tell nobody that you have revealed these things to me. Don't tell anybody, because if they gets out, they will kill Paul. Hey, keep it to yourself. Go home. Go on your way. I will take care of the problem. And it's so cool how God's hand is upon his nephew, had him at the right time, at the right place, so that Paul would not be killed. 
Remember what Jesus said to him? Paul, I will be with you. I'll go to Rome with you. God already said, I'm going to take you to Rome. So how can God lie? Well, if you're going through a difficult season right now, we pray that today's message has renewed your faith in God's goodness as you look to Him for help and peace. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. To review the lesson you've heard today, call 800-634-9165 and ask for Raul's teaching from Acts chapter 23. We'll send a complete copy to you for a donation of $5 or more. Now, we'd also like to offer you additional reassurance with Raul's four-part study of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. Available on either CD or a flash drive, this series establishes God's loving provision for all of your needs as a Christian through the gifts of His own Spirit. You'll see that when you daily entrust your life to His care, the third member of the Trinity will comfort, uphold, and guide you. To order Rawls' four-part study of the Holy Spirit, visit somebodylovesyou.com or call 800-634-9165. We'll send your USB drive for a gift of $12 or the CD collection for $19. That's 800-634-9165. To order by writing us, our mailing address is Somebody Loves You Radio, Post Office Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. We are a listener-supported ministry, and we thank you for your generous partnership. It helps us keep sharing the hope of God's Word. We hope you'll join us again for more from the book of Acts. We'll see how the Lord will sustain us when our faith comes under fire, just as He did for the Apostle Paul. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.